2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by ourselves, RotoViz Radio. All righty, so NFC and AFC Championship Weekend is in the books. I am unfortunately not joined by the lovely Dan Seno. he has work on top of work on top of work this week. So uh, we got a pinch hitter coming in, coming in from the, the bench, and we got my good friend, one of my favorite league mates, as I advertised on Twitter. Travis Billman, how's it going, tonight, Travis?
1: Wow. First of all, uh, I've never heard you say that before, and I'm getting a little emotional. So thank you. <laughs> That's very kind. I uh, I feel like um, I feel like I'm the Juju. You said pinch hitter. I feel like I'm the Juju Smith Schuster. It could be one catch for five yards and a fumble, but it could also be like 186 and a touchdown i don't know
2: well I, I mean know. 180 seconds that'd be a big <laughs> performance here travis I, know, I, know. I mean i mean you'll have espn calling for your number by the end of the podcast true. <laughs> that's
1: true rotoviz get me a contract you'll find out in 40 minutes
2: <laughs> <laughs> all righty so thank
1: you thank you for having uh, me on i'm super excited
2: oh absolutely uh, excited to have travis on excited to uh, talk about the dynasty strategy but before we get into the dynasty strategy, uh, he did bring up a guy who was in the news this past week. Um, and I still don't quite understand this news. But over the weekend, it was announced that Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions are parting ways.
1: Yeah, I, it's I, a mutual breakup. You know? Okay,
2: okay. But I don't understand what does that mean? like when Cam broke up. It was like okay, he got released. There was reports for months and months like oh, the Panthers are gonna cut him. Panthers are cut him, and it took a while for them to cut him. But with Stafford. It yeah. says, you know, that teams are already calling about, about a trade. I am an ever pessimist when it comes to QB trades. I think that they're a lot harder to pull up than, than you think. With the salary cap, you might have the spot track up. But, you know, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll see how, how it plays out. But I think it's within the range outcomes that Stafford's flat out cut because I think it's that hard to trade a quarterback salary.
1: Yeah, that would be super interesting. I guess that's possible. Um, I was looking up uh, an article – that was talking about, you know, the likely locations and a lot of, they were talking about former trades and I was a little bit surprised at what some of the previous guys brought. I think Alex Smith brought like a third and, uh, they were going back like five or six years, but they were basically saying he should get at least two firsts. So that's why I, I could totally understand why it would be pretty shocking, but he's only 32. I mean, he's one year older than, uh, than, uh, Russell Wilson. I think, is that right? No, he's the same age as Russell Wilson. So it's not like he's 38 or 37, you know?
2: No, but he's also not a top 10 type quarterback. Like he is just above replacement level, at least in my opinion. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how it plays out there. But if it comes to fruition, if it comes to fruition where he where he goes to a new destination, it's better than Detroit where they might be without Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. So, you know, there's totally. There's the concepts of Washington and Indy, maybe even Philly if they if they get rid of Wentz somehow. But How about San Francisco, San, Frans- San Francisco, San Francisco, also a popular topic with Aaron Rodgers' possible trade. I don't think that's possible either due to this, wow. the salary cap. But with Matthew Stafford, um, I guess well, let's talk about the dynasty point of view here. I, I yeah, think that yeah. his, I think that his value is going to increase but not too much. Like, it's not like he's going to go from being valued at QB 15 to going to QB nine. Like I think he might go from like QB 15 to like QB 12, depending on, on where it is. I do think that India is probably the, the most, lo- the logic, most logical outcome.
1: Yeah. And, and I think he, I don't like right now in uh, DLF dynasty league football, ADP, or I should say rather uh, rankings. He's QB 12 by consensus yeah. ranking, but, but he's the top of a tier of like six guys. Um, and I don't see him getting above that tier. Like he's not going above Tua or Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow. You know, what I mean, I mean? He,
2: he's, he's I mean, he's he's going above. I, I think that if if the it sounds like you're right. weird, but if the Dolphins trade Tua to to Houston, then I think that bumps his value down because a Houston's kind that's of true.
1: Yeah, but, I could see that. I
2: could see that. Yeah, but but I agree. Like I won't have Matthew Stafford above two in my rankings anytime soon.
1: Right, but I mean, you're looking at in That area, Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I maybe Kirk Cousins, depending, but I mean, how do you feel about all of those guys? If he lands in Indy or whatever your second spot is, do you move him above any of those guys or most of those guys? Where are
2: you at? Sam again,
1: okay. Jalen Hurts,
2: I, I, I had when we did our rankings, I still had Hurts above him, but that's because okay. the upside, right? Ryan Tannehill. I think they're about even, but Hill's above him.
1: Yep. Surprisingly, by the way, Tannehill's 32. Didn't realize he was that old. Jared Goff and then Baker Mayfield.
2: I, I, might, have, I might have Stafford above Goff at this point with the move. Yeah. And, and Baker, I'm a Baker guy, so I, I would have Baker securely yeah. above him.
1: But, the, I mean, yeah, other than Baker for you, I'd say they're all lumped similarly. Not crazy- no player, yeah you know.
2: no and i always talk about especially from a startup point of view that is the tier of quarterbacks i avoid like the play because i'm not going to overpay with a fifth sixth seventh round startup pick yep. i'd rather invest in the wide receivers and running backs that go in that range than overpay for qb2 yes
1: 100 percent. yeah i mean you might as well invest in tom brady for half the price you know he probably could he could play he could play till he's 50 dude It's ridiculous.
2: (laughs) All right. Let's move (laughs) on to some some dynasty football strategy strategy questions. I I went through, racked my brain for some interesting topics. And the first is kind of newsworthy. You have no slash limited combine. I think they're trying to do regional stuff, but they might end up literally just doing Zoom interviews and things like that. So we're not really sure what type of measurable info we'll have this year as opposed to previous years. Um, You know, we'll have the pro days, but those are historically very inaccurate. You know, uh, Fused View, one of the guys on Twitter, is one of the guys who does, like, hand time. Like he'll, he'll watch a pro day and hand time it himself. He might be a very valuable resource this year. But <laughs> all, all in all, we're not going to have those concrete numbers that like we used to have with the, you know— original version of the combine. So how, how do you think that's going to impact your rookie drafts and options? I, because I know you and I share at least one league that ha, does have a pre-draft NFL draft, which I think that that's where the combine even matters even more. So yeah. I guess, how, how does this impact your valuations with limited or no combine?
1: Well, I mean, to me, the other thing that I'm, I'm kind of taking into consideration is you, you would normally think, okay, then you just put a lot more weight on the tape. The problem is a lot of these guys didn't even play this year. So now it's like, I feel like you got a lot of variance in the rookies that are coming in. Like it, it just feels a lot riskier to me, especially for the guys who didn't play at a particularly uh, top tier level, like they're non sec guys or, you know, uh, like Trey Lance, who, you know, has limited starts at a lower level of competition. Like, man, all of a sudden I get real nervous because I can't really see him throw the ball at the same time as all the other guys. And, I mean, I, I certainly feel like the variance is going to be a lot higher. Uh, and honestly, I'd probably put a lot more stock, which, which is irrelevant if we're talking the combine. I'd put a lot more stock into what some draft nicks are saying, like draft capital all of a sudden gets shot up the board because you don't have the numbers as much to kind of offset your personal preference on guys. So, I mean, the good news is I always think they, p- people put way too much stock into the combine. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, the guy who we knew was fast runs a fast time and we bump him up another three spots in the rankings, which is unnecessary to give him, you know, double credit for something. But, man, those guys who didn't play uh, top quality competition and didn't play for a year, like, boy, all of a sudden it just feels a lot riskier than in past years.
2: Yeah, I I do think that's the case, especially with those pre-draft rookie drafts. I think this is going to be the hardest year ever for pre-draft rookie drafts. And I'll be trying to fade that area in the leagues that I play in. I'm very limited, but and I'm sure most people have their rookie drafts after the NFL draft. And in those scenarios, I mean, I I missed draft capital on this podcast, and I, yeah. I'll be even more so this year. And but I will say that much like we have the the risk and the variance, the NFL teams will too. Like totally. I do think I do think that there is the risk of more busts higher in the draft than than traditionally, but. One of the main reasons why I invest in draft capital is because when there's high draft capital, there's opportunity. Even if the team is bad at making the decision of who's the better NFL player, like they can make a bust pick and still give them second round type, you know, volume and that and that volume might prove to them, them being good. Um, So, yeah, he can
1: work or they can work out the issues with the extra reps. Sure, sure, sure.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, my, my takeaway from no slash limited combine is that you guys dive deeper into draft capital. Uh, If you're a tape guy, maybe, or, you know, or numbers guy, I mean, numbers guy in terms of production is is certainly something to look at as well. But I will say one of the things uh, coming out, one of the stories of today was that Devonta Smith of Alabama did not, um, did not weigh in because he, he's probably doesn't weigh enough. Uh, <laughs> right.
1: So he's a, he a buck 70 or something. I think he might be a buck 85, but still. Yeah.
2: But yeah. So he, he has a couple, couple weeks until the Albion pro day to
1: put on some pounds.
2: I, I, one thing I thought was interesting with him. And I think it's because of COVID is we saw, we've seen a lot more high quality seniors in this senior bowl than normal. But I also think it's weird that like Devonta Smith is going to the senior bowl to prove he's worth a top three pick. If you need the senior bowl to decide your top three pick, that guy probably isn't good enough to draft for the top three pick.
1: Well, I didn't think I didn't think he's playing in the senior bowl though, is he? I thought he was just going for the interviews and the kind of to Well, yeah, um, I mean I
2: mean it's still okay. the same thing though. It, I, I'm saying yeah. if you need to go to the senior bowl to prove your top three worthy, I don't know if he's playing. I don't know who's playing.
1: It seems like a real verbal slap in the face to Devontae uh, Smith. Wow, that's aggressive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's move into some early off-season trade strategy um some maybe do's and don'ts sure before we talk about some freedom so you know we're in late january uh entering early february Wh- when you're looking at your dynasty teams what is some of the strategy you have you know at this stage like. Is there a position you're targeting? Is there a type of player you're targeting? What are you doing with your dynasty teams at this stage of the year?
1: Well, one thing I'm probably not doing is, and and this kind of gets said all the time, just don't even look at your starting roster. It's just a waste of time because so much changes. We have the senior bowl and all the rookie drafts. We have free agency. We have uh, preseason. We have injuries. We have all kinds of stuff. Um, and so that being said, here's what I would suggest. Try to get other people to look at their starting lineups, <laughs> like whatever you shouldn't be doing. Try to get other people to do it. And to me, like off-season trading is as much uh, uh, psychological warfare as it is anything else. And so if you can, if you can uh, encourage someone to make a poor move in the offseason, you're one step ahead. And that, that sounds a little mean, but you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I I think that's definitely a part of it. And basically, try, part of early offseason trading is avoiding mistakes by forcing mistakes on others. Um, yeah, yeah. And so that that's you know we'll talk about it in a little bit with with future picks. But still, uh, w- one of my major moves is, is like you said, looking at lineups and seeing okay, how can I you know convince this person that that they need a. Quarterback and get this person then the inside <laughs> end. Um, i right. not doing it orally because I don't really ever do that. Uh, but I, I will say that one thing that was interesting was Adam Schefter tweeted that he thinks that 18 teams will have different starting quarterbacks in week one. That's
1: There's insane. only 30.
2: I, I think that, honestly, I think that's clickbait. I think it's hyperbole. I think that that's yeah. a bit of a stretch. Um, but You know, who the starting quarterback is has a large impact on dynasty value. Not only the quarterbacks themselves, but the the players around them as well. So lots of moving and shaking that will be going around with these quarterbacks. You know, Matt Stafford goes to the Colts. Then Michael Pittman's value goes up. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, basically those type of things. One one
1: thing that I would probably uh, shy away from, and uh, this is my personal strategy, is I am not investing in any free agent running back. Uh, the chances of them being successful with their second team, even having a Melvin Gordon type year, which was an RB two, but I mean, man, I just think they, they fall off so quick. So if you're, if you're banking on like, it's a risk, you're just taking a high risk with guys like Leonard Fournette or even a Chris, Chris Carson, or uh, some of those guys like that, who have had solid, you know, productivity, but are on a second contractor end like, you're just man they end up sharing a timeshare or getting a 60 40 split and all of a sudden and they're not with uh in the perfect spot that they were with their rookie contract and all of a sudden you know man they're just they're tanking so i i would just realize the risk you're taking if you're investing especially if you're making a trade for a guy pre knowing where he lands you're just their landmines all over the place
2: so i i do think that the public is getting a little bit more exposed to that as we've had some of the, these bad, you know, declines of Melvin Gordon and Todd Shirley sure. and the such. And I, I am, I mean, I'm ultimately avoiding older running backs as is, but I'm certainly not investing in a startup in a second contract running back in Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, whether they get the second contract with their team or, or with a new team like Melvin Gordon did. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, So that's true. I, I I do think that, you know, avoiding... Second contract running backs is a good strategy, but I also think it's becoming harder and harder for it to be an effective one because if everybody is avoiding second contract running backs, you get Alvin Kamara at the end of the second round.
1: That's (laughs) that's true. That's true. Now let me ask you, what you what do you view with guys who um, in the off season who finish the year strong, but if it's a fluke, guys like David Montgomery, uh, maybe guys like Austin Eckler or uh, James Robinson, uh, AJ AJ Dylan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where do you kind of go with guys who seem to have been mediocre? Do you do, you do a case by case basis or are you generally a guy who's like, if they haven't hit in a year and a half and they hit in the last six weeks of the year, I'm selling as good as, you know, as best. No,
2: as I mean, honestly, it, it's a very easy chart. Uh, you look at the player and you saw, OK, he broke out and then you say, OK, where was he picked? Was he picked in the fifth round? OK, so it was, gotcha. he picked, was he picked in the third round? buy him or hold him like Montgomery Montgomery's not a guy I'm actively going out to buy because because he was so bad the first year and a half of his career but at the ultimate point like like he has a high chance of success with being a day two NFL running back and he's in an offense that's going to feature him not not like the Bears can afford to invest in one of these free agent running backs so I mean uh, Montgomery's a guy I'm fine purchasing but not not an active like oh go out and buy David Montgomery but the, the answer to that, if it is a day three guy or, or an undrafted guy like James Robinson, I am trying to capitalize on that late season or even whole season production
1: yeah.
2: uh, by, you know, selling off. Because we, we talk about the landmines of free agent. We, I, I've been talking about the, the class of 2021 free agent running back class for 18 months. And yeah. it's one of the best free agent running back classes we've ever seen, even as guys have re-signed. But still, it's all landmines with yeah. these guys. And so sure. – one of them's gonna. One of this game of of, of musical chairs is not going to find a spot. Aaron Jones, like that. Yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan Dan had Aaron Jones like at RB like twenty five because he's not sure that Aaron Jones d- finds a seat at that seat, at that you know group of music, musical chairs.
1: Yep. Yep. Totally. So Miles Gaskin, you're selling him probably. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Damien Harris. Do you think even Damien Harris? No, I mean he's fine. Like Damian Harris these are all guys you're not gonna get much more anyway. So no yeah, no no yeah.
2: Damian Damien Harris didn't do enough to be worthy of a sell. So so I would rather hold out. Especially I mean, who knows with New England? Like I mean, I'm a huge I'm a huge Cam guy, but twenty twenty did not go how us Cam apologists were hoping. Um (laughs) uh, Cam's done being a a starter in the quarter in the NFL He, he might end up getting like a backup job where you know he's like the you know primary backup um or he might retire because i also yeah.
1: don't really see him as a huge backup type guy
2: um or, so
1: our, as a bears fan I, a solid chance the bears invested because they're idiots i just i hate <laughs> it i hate it <laughs> uh yeah i mean, honestly i'd be better
2: than Trubisky. so but yes. yeah so we've talked a little bit about when to buy uh you basically you're saying you're, you're selling or, or not certainly not buying these pending freedoms at running back. What are your thoughts on pending freedoms at wide receiver?
1: Uh, well, typically, I mean, until guys like Stefan Diggs, and I'm trying to think who else, guys, Hop,
2: Hopkins, you got trade.
1: So, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, sure the yes, before that, there was not a lot of like, um, like real successful track records of guys who switched teams and, and did good. I guess John Brown had a decent year, but I mean, honestly it's also rare that that these highly talented guys change teams so i guess that's a new phenomenon i'm totally taking it case by case uh i i guess there's no real reason unless you just don't believe in the talent and you think for some reason there was a fluky unique connection that that gave a good year to someone uh there's no reason to sell until you know their landing spot so, yeah, I, I don't. Well, I mean, I mean I'm,
2: I'm one guy whose value is going to increase is Alan Robinson. Uh, I mean, we said that yeah. the last time he was a free agent, but you can't get much worse at the quarterback position than Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So wherever he lands, whether it's maybe Green Bay, if they can find the cap space or else or even maybe a Detroit. Um, I guess that, that would be an example. Yeah, of,
1: yeah I mean, I see somewhere he I don't. Here's the thing. His functional – the stats he's putting up, I don't know that he increases them a ton unless he goes – he could definitely get worse, I
2: think. Well, well I mean, but the, the touchdowns are going to go up. Six, six sure. touchdowns well, is, is low. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I am I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a pessimist because, again, he was a Bears fan. I, I He was on my, my Bears, and it was just frustrating that we couldn't get the ball. But anyway, if he goes to the Jets or if he goes to even Detroit without Matthew Stafford with a rookie, I could see – I could see there being some regression in his stats because his stats were shockingly good. I like, he's, he is a really underrated guy. He's to me a, a bit like Robert Woods and you're, you're like a little surprised at how well he actually produces. I mean, I, I hope he lands somewhere for his sake. I mean, yeah, I, I totally uh, think that there are better chances that he'll end up in a better situation, but he did actually put up decent stats, even under a bad quarterback like Mr. Bisky.
2: Yeah, and then you got Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, is there any of these guys that you're particularly like trying to buy before their landing spot? Corey Davis.
1: Um, I would be more apt to buy Juju Smith-Schuster because I think he has pretty solid skill set. Um, the the things that make me the most nervous are guys like um, Kenny Galladay, who are talented but injury, who seem to just can't get on the can't stay on the field. And those uh, are guys Will where I'm like Will fuller is also a friend. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. hundred percent. So those are guys where you, it's almost like there's a name cachet and those couple huge games they had or half a season, and you're just trying to recapture that. And uh, and it just it would shock me if those come together again, unless there's something about an organization that just churns out injured players. You know what I mean? Like like San Francisco. Some yeah, just man, or they're or the Chargers. They're physically. Yes, are physically beating up their own players somehow. Um, but man, those injury prone guys make me real nervous. Uh other than that, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm probably taking a case by case basis. And this is this is probably gonna sound dumb, but I'm pro. <laughs> I hate hanging on to my like my pre draft profile, my like my rookie profiles of guys after three years, but I still have a natural tendency to do that, you know. Yeah. That if I liked Juju in the draft, I'm probably still liking him now. If I didn't really care for him, I'm probably thinking oh, it was uh, it was a little bit lucky that he got with Ben Roethlisberger. And now he's going to regress back to what I thought he would be. So there's a little cognitive bias that goes into, you know, free agents. How, how what are you thinking about Chris Godwin?
2: I, I think I think that my gut is right because uh, uh, <laughs> I I was having some some beer uh, during the game. Uh, uh, in the NFC championship, and
1: uh, Go on.
2: At, the, at the end of the night, Russell texted me. He goes, what happens with the Tampa receivers when Godwin leaves? And I said, Godwin's not leaving. <laughs> so, oh, sure. so uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a uh, hopeless romantic here, but I, I think that Godwin stays and I know it's a lot of money to tie up the wires receiver position, but I mean, having Ev- Evans and Godwin is worth tying up that money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is one of the things I love about being in, in the, the no-name leagues that I am with you is the fact that – and by the way, if I can just do a shout-out, if you're in just a traditional league, like branch out into something that has a little bit more off-season creativity because, man, it is so fun to have something to look forward to that's not four months away or something. Like, man, let me tell you, I, I'm already jonesing for something to do and it's not even the Super Bowl yet. I got a problem. I got I'm an addict. <laughs> I'm a real addict. <laughs> I'm, scr- oh. I'm scratching. <laughs> but, All man, right. yeah, branch out and try to get, get in some creative leagues where you have some uh, some more unique offseason opportunities because it's a ton of fun to, uh, yeah, to be involved every month or so instead of every four months.
2: Absolutely. And before we get into our next topic, I wanted to give a little ad for ourselves. So uh, lots of great content, lots of great tools. It's almost rookie draft season. we got Debbie draft season with our friend Travis May. We've got a new premium email with Curtis Patrick.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
2: Tweeted it out today that we now have a 2021 premium email. It is free, F-R-E-E. The email is free and it gives some sneak peeks into articles, even though you're gonna to want to get yourself a road subscription with uh R V Radio 2021. But if you are waiting a little bit, you can get involved with Curtis Patrick's. Uh, you know, weekly email uh, with some awesome stuff. So get get in the newsletter game with the Rodevus uh, premium email. Go to Curtis Patrick's timeline to check that out. That's C Patrick NFL. But in the meantime, make sure you get yourself a Rodevus subscription. Premium content and tools help support the podcast RV Radio twenty twenty one. Get in the game today. All right. So um, we did have a couple of questions. So let's let's hit those before we get into more of the game theory type stuff. We sure. have. Uh, Carl Safchik, our buddy, uh, asked about the Rams. He said that with the Rams uncertainty, golf trade rumors, wire receivers on expiring contracts, Whitworth on his last legs, is Cam Akers a high sell?
1: A sell high. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, ah. I guess if you think he's, I mean, if you think he's a product of the system and you weren't a believer in his talent, then I could totally understand that. But there are people, and and he was a, in my opinion, a little bit of a divisive uh person coming out of the draft anyway, where I'm you know, he had a disappointing senior year at Florida State. And if you followed him in Debbie, you were a big fan and then kind of were like, oh, maybe he's not, you know, the real deal. And then he blew up. So a lot of that probably depends on what you think of his talent. But I don't I believe in McVeigh enough to think that he will put together something that will uh that will make Cam Akers excel. So Unless you just don't believe in his talent, I would be pretty shocked if his highest value is right now. Unless someone's willing to pay, you know, top five running back value, then I might consider selling because I don't think he's going to jump into the top three anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen his value jump up, and I'm, I'm still not even really sure if he's de- he deserves the, the jump up. I think he, he deserves to be in that, that, that scene range where Dan and I had him. Um, so, I mean, obviously I don't think he's an RB one quite yet. So I I don't think he's a sell high because I think there's still opportunity for growth. And even if there's uncertainty in LA, like maybe it's a quick little rebuild where they, you know, get rid of, get rid of golf tank a year. And then you have cam Akers with Sam Howell in 2022.
1: (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, I could see him as a, again, that's why I'm saying if someone's paying, I guess maybe top seven would be more realistic, but, Um his consensus ranking right now is RB11 right behind Clyde Edwards Alaire. And I think there's a lot of people who might put him above Clyde Edwards Alaire. So he's he's in that in that you know back half of a running back one. So maybe it's all the people who own him who are talking him up. (laughs) Uh And so those are the voices I'm hearing. But I'm I'm surprised at how often he comes up as like a fringe kind of elite tier already. Uh, yeah and he
2: he he didn't have a good rookie season like it it was you know comparable to what we saw from Henderson they both had injuries so
1: yeah well he's had a good again kind of like David uh, Montgomery he's had a good last six weeks and that all of a sudden is enough to to affirm if you were a believer in him that he is the real deal so again it's it's kind of the way you viewed him heading in
2: and last question before we wrap up with some topics we have Fernando uh Sir Sinelli, maybe. Uh, Hi, Fernando. Do we, oh, you, do you know Fernando? <laughs> no, I don't.
1: I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I said
2: that. <laughs> um, so uh, what do we make of Michael Thomas going forward, presumably without Breeze? I'll start us off here and I'll say uh, I, it's not a guy I'm investing in. I, I don't think that you can really sell for much profit right now. I do have a couple shares, but I I, I, it's, I think he has a, a secure hold here unless you can get you know a top five type first or you know a cam makers or something like that like i i just don't see how you can get any sort of
1: value from michael thomas right now yep ditto that i i bought him in the offseason and boy was that a mistake uh i bought him last offseason, season uh, just really frustrating um the only thing that and and you're going to totally disagree because we talked about this is Taysom hill i could see him having one year as the starter while they get the next guy ready Uh, I heard comments like they, they think they could have a little bit of a Steve Young situation in which I know, I know I shut up, uh, (laughs) but they want to see what they have in him. And I would be very curious because he's a one read guy to see if maybe he just gets peppered with so many targets and then you sell in the middle of the year. But the other thing that drives me nuts is just things I'm seeing him tweet and just his attitude toward the organization and toward Drew Brees, like, those kind of guys make me nervous because they feel volatile to me. So even if it's not on the field stuff, the off the field stuff makes me think that his NFL stock is just going to be going down. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And well, I have kind of stepped off the no way Taysom's the 2021 starter stance because of the fact that they have zero cap. Yes. They have, they have negative cap. So a
1: hundred million negative, I think, or something like that. Okay.
2: That, that might be a little high, but I, I, uh, I, well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but, but, so basically it's Taysom or a quarterback at the end of the first round or, you know, a, the, wherever they're picking, yes. you know, in their early 20s. So, you know, maybe right. a Mac Jones from Alabama, you know, hops over from Alabama to, to Louisiana. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think they're going to invest at quarterback, whether it's first round, second round, because I just can't see you going into a season saying that Taysom Hill is your starter and not having like, oh, here's the rookie quarterback that's coming right behind him.
1: Well, you know, an interesting guy, I'm curious, someone, again, like they just don't have cap room to buy someone. But uh, I'd be curious if they could pull a trade or uh, get rid of some guys, a guy like Jacoby Brissett or a guy who…
2: I mean, Brissett's going to be cheap. He's not going to get started. I mean, mean, even backups now probably get money, but I'm going to guess Brissett would probably get like a two-year, like $22 million deal or something like that.
1: Yeah, and ironically, I think that's actually less than what Taysom Hill is making right now. Like I think Oh yeah, he's no, the, no, Taysom
2: Hill's making like $15 million. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So that's another reason why I'm just like, man, I feel like they almost need are, are gonna they're obligated, you know, to stay with him. And so yeah. Yep. I, now is not the sell window. I totally agree on Michael Thomas. Uh, one thing before I get into these last few questions.
2: You do watch college football or you don't watch college football?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I've been watching a lot of SEC football because I live outside of Atlanta. So I'm, I'm totally an SEC country.
2: Our next topic is one of my uh, favorite topics to talk about when people talk about strategy. Uh, MFL is rolling over soon in about two weeks from now. Uh, so that for many leagues means that future picks become available, whether it's you know one year out, two years out, which however many, you know, however your league does it, basically one year gets added on when the league rolls over. So I, I, this is one of your patented moves in my league. So I, I wanted to <laughs> hear from the expert. How do you go about buying future picks after MFL rollover? I, the, For me personally, I often feel like I'm coming off too aggressive. And the person t- says – oh, you're already coming after my pick. You must think my team stinks or, oh, it's too early for me to trade my future pick. But then I see that same person trade them to you for a bag of beans. So
1: how do you do that? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I have very nice beans, you know, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, 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 I certainly don't know why they would trade to me and not to you, but, um, Uh, I do think it's really important to look at the, uh, have a little bit of history on your league mates. The guys who don't have draft picks in the 2020 pick uh, draft might be more likely to sell. They might be guys who just don't value rookie picks. And so look at guys who have a tendency, a history of selling first, you know, their, their early picks, um, guys who maybe, uh, maybe we're not doing well for a couple of years and last year they kind of made a run and now they're thinking, okay, now I'm primed and I need one more piece. You know, those are all guys I'm looking to take advantage of and sell the Michael Thomas's, you know, especially if, if I'm like, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold that his team is not nearly as strong. Um, I will say one strategy. And, and again, like I say, psychological warfare, this is, these are things that, that build up over time. But one thing I'm pretty consistently do is anytime I see two teams, two other teams make a trade, I individually hit up both of them and compliment their side of the trade. Like, oh,
2: really? <laughs> yeah,
1: totally, yes. Well, totally.
2: I, I've, I've never been complimented. Oh, maybe I, I, you know what, I think I have. I think you have compliments of me <laughs> I, Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I have received this before. Well, because I, I, I was gonna say you, I don't think I have, but
1: then I was like, Wait, <laughs> no, I think I have. But also, Usually with you, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, honestly, if if I'm jealous of a trade that just went down, I'm gonna go to the guy who I felt like got bent over, and I'm gonna probably try to massage his ego and say, "Dude, great get on getting Michael Thomas for two firsts. Like, dude, he's got four solid years left. Hey, so how are you feeling about such and so? You know, like honestly, it's just to build rapport, and some of it is, you know, some of it is honestly I, I do want to put good out in the world, but the other part is. I want them to think that I respect them <laughs> so, that, so that they don't see me as a, a guy who's a shark who's trying to, you know, that they're constantly, uh, that they don't want to interact with me. You know what I mean? But so, then they look at your roster
2: and see you have eight of the top 30 assets. So how does that well, help
1: anything? <laughs> I, well, you know, then I'll sell the, the, the ninth asset and get a couple firsts for it. <laughs> um, all but, right. Yeah, so those, those are little things that the build up over time, just like trying to interact with people individually and see how they feel. in. I try to keep conversations going. Uh, you know, at this point, when you're in a league with someone a couple couple years in a row, you get to know a little bit of like, yeah, these are the guys who always sell their money up front and then always coming, come looking for picks or money during the draft. Like, the, it's amazing to me how often people don't learn from their mistakes and so if i can further them not learning from their mistakes i hate to say it but it's better for me all
2: right well you just mentioned rookie picks so we'll go to our next topic are rookie picks really the most expensive on the clock
1: uh oh no they're they're the most expensive for whatever you can sell it for that i mean anecdotally that's what i always hear and um I, I, right. I, I, I always I
2: I I always, I always hear it, but then I see, you know, uh, uh, the 103 traded for, you know, two and a half first worth of value
1: in February. Yeah, and, and I don't know if that's because people get really giddy over things really early. Um, uh, you know, I, I suppose it depends on how emotionally invested someone is with an individual player, because I, I think there are times when I think it's more uh, – I would say generally, yes, they are, they are the, the most valuable when they're on the clock. But there are times when you're at the 105 and you were hoping someone would fall to you and everyone was, hope, was assuming two months ago, well, definitely the top five is the tier to have. And then all of a sudden someone bombs at the combine or someone gets injured or someone doesn't get drafted as early as, as they expect in the NFL draft. And all of a sudden a guy like, um, oh, shoot who who is the guy who went to Arizona Cardinals the first pick of the fourth round a couple years ago butler Uh, yes Hakeem Butler who all of a sudden people are like dude he's a top five dynasty pick so they're they're, you know you're selling that that 105 for a premium and all of a sudden it disappears so there is that risk there's a risk of the tiers change as you get more information
2: but yeah I I agree with that that with the picks in early time people start to like okay this guy goes here this guy they they put right. the puzzle together and as that happens certain picks you know increase in value i will say one thing that i think that in auction leagues $100 is worth approximately the same from january until may but i do think that smaller amounts the closer you get to the auction the more valuable those get because in March, in february march like oh it's only 20 dollars, and then you see that 20 dollars is the difference between getting the player that's worth the 106 and the player that's worth the 111 you yeah. know so so in auction leagues you can be a little squirrel and like eat those little tiny bits of value and eat and obviously i'm a, vic- I mean, not a victim i, am, I mean i'm the person who does it the most I'll basically have agreed to a trade. Not, I don't say I agree, but I'll basically have done it. And then i am like, why don't you throw on like $18? <laughs> and they'll be like, why $18? And I was like, because I want $18. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the time, like everyone's like, okay, I guess it's $18. Here's $18. Right,
1: right. Well, especially when you're looking at a lump of money, like you have $250 and you're like, what's 18? You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're not thinking of it as – a first, a second, and a third, and I'm losing a third round pick, it's, it's $18, out probably won't matter. And yeah, that's that's amazing. The other thing to look at is, um, and I've, I've been looking at this, talking about auctions, know how much your third round picks are worth. And depending on your the size of your league, some auction, some third round picks are worth practically nothing. Some of them are like, you can have three early third round picks and you're in a late first valuation. You know what I mean? So kind of know... Uh, this is basic, but know your rules, know the values and make adjustments accordingly. So if you want, if all of a sudden you start noticing like, man, people don't value third round picks in the draft, pick up a ton of third round picks. And all of a sudden you've got an extra 150 auction bucks. Like that is a, that is a go-to for, I think both of us actually, Mm. because it accumulates so well. Yeah. And
2: and we play in a format where it, it's the league with no name leagues where uh, you know, there's lots of the thing we call bid for me. Eventually Travis and Justin and I will do a deep dive on the DLF YouTube channel about it. But, <laughs> but essentially there's out of every league I've ever played in the easiest way to get a third round pick has been the no name leagues and doing quote unquote bid for me's. Oh
1: um, uh, really? Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's, let's wrap us up with uh, a question. What are you doing this off season to get a leg up on your league mates?
1: I am becoming very familiar with how much money or picks people have. I'm looking at historical track records. Uh in other words, like, okay, here are guys who have and, and I can't remember there was a there was someone in the fantasy football community who literally talked about having a notebook in each of his leagues that he fills out every year so that he has a historical track record of of the actions of, of their owners. Which which is way too much work for me, but the concept is really I think important because in the offseason is when you know, okay, these are the guys who, who uh, don't value rookie picks. Here are the guys who, man, seem to hoard their rookie books. Here are the guys who like like we have guys who I know, he's going after all Philadelphia Eagles. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so knowing knowing. Shout out Jason Long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you know now is the time where you can just start scrolling through and looking at trades that other teams have made uh in your leagues you got a little extra time start getting your rankings together you know start looking at oh oh this is a big one for me um especially this year with the lack of a combine i've been starting to put way more trust and i and i don't necessarily believe in their scouting ability but their connectedness to the league of guys like uh, McShay and uh, Todd McShay and Kiper. What's it? Yeah, Kiper. Mel Kuiper, uh, not because I think they have, but anyway, they're familiar with what NFL teams are thinking. And so if they're, if they're saying a guy like, like if the Debbie community is saying Hakeem Butler is definitely going to be a first round pick and they're not talking about him until the third round, like that matters a lot more to me than the scouting report that I get from whoever I, whatever fantasy football player I, I attend. Yeah, you know? I
2: mean, that that reminds me a lot of the year that the Teddy Bridgewater-Blake Bortles draft, where all of fantasy Twitter said, Teddy Bridgewater, he's QB1, he's unstoppable. Yeah. And uh, McShay and Kuyper had him a late first, early second round pick. And we're like, what are you talking about? Teddy's going to go 101. And then Teddy went 1-3-2. So, yeah. you know, while we may think we're better, and maybe we are better at analyzing players than Kuiper and McShay, they know better about the draft capital.
1: Yes. And that, that matters way more than I think we, I think we think that talent is always going to win out, but talent doesn't can't win if there's not opportunity, you know? And so even guys like um Chris Olave was a guy in Debbie leagues that I didn't really notice until I looked at a 2021 draft and saw that Mel Kuyper had him like at, at 24 and I was like, who is Chris Olave and why is he now? He went back for a senior, uh, senior year, but, but, Anytime I can get a leg up, uh, especially in Debbie Leagues, and look ahead and see like who are guys that they're placing early in the draft. Like Henry Ruggs, like, you know, he was the first, <laughs> first wide receiver off the board. He didn't shoot up in value. And obviously, it, it, it so far hasn't really proven to be that he should have been the first you know, one. But, uh, but again, having, listening to the mock drafts can get you a leg up on knowing um, opportunity and guys that might jump up the board that might not have been noticed by Fantasy Football Twitter.
2: All right. That How about you? So,
1: How about you? What are you doing? you doing anything? Uh, no, I don't know. Oh, you don't want what to play I... now? No, uh, no, no. I, I don't I don't. Yeah, honestly,
2: thinking. I mean, no, the, no. The, the biggest thing is is trying to get those feature picks after rollover, yeah. but uh, also trying to sell those second contract running backs, you know, pretty much all the stuff we talked about so far today. Yep, yep. Um, right. But let's wrap us up for this evening. Uh, Make sure to follow Travis at Travis Billman, the most complicated handle in the game here. (laughs) Uh, And we really appreciate you hopping on today, Travis.
1: Yes, dude, my honor. Thank you so much.
2: All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure to uh, subscribe to RotoViz Radio and Nice Streamcast. And get yourself a RotoVA subscription with uh, RV Radio 2021. And check out C Patrick NFL for that newsletter. Awesome newsletter. Get in on the action. Once again, thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, by the way, Titan Summit took a break because Dan's not here. We'll be back next yeah. week. Kaibosh. <laughs> All right. Kaibosh.